Welcome to the Brave Church Podcast. We are honored you've chosen to listen and pray you're blessed by this talk. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit bravechurch.org. All right. Well, today we're finishing a uh, eight-week series. We've been going verse by verse through the book of Philippians and studying it together. And we've been learning principles for a happy life that's found in the book of Philippians. Uh, who doesn't want more joy in their life, right? I mean, who doesn't want more happy, right? We can all use that. And today's passage, we end with one of the, really, I think, one of the greatest promises of all time that have ever been given in Scripture. And it's found in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. By the way, inside your programs, there are notes. You can pull those out, follow along. There are pins, every other chair or so. If you didn't get notes and would like them, the ushers are on the side. Just raise your hand. They'll run them to you. You'll need these to take notes uh, and take them with you here today. So just raise your hand. Right here's a hand, and uh, they'll get those to you. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, the Word of God says, you can be sure that God will take care of everything you need his generosity exceeding yours in the glory that pours from Jesus. First it says, you can be sure. In other words, this is not a wish. This is a guarantee. God says, I will guarantee this. I will take care of everything that you need. And that my generosity, God says, will always exceed yours. He says, I will take care of everything that you need. The word everything in the Greek here means this, all things, whatever, whenever, in every circumstance, at all times, anything and everything. This is an amazing promise. God says, I will take care of everything that you need. Really? (laughs) I mean, the big question that comes to my mind is, why do you have unmet needs then? Is this kind of like, I hope it works for me, too? Like, will this work, you know, does this verse really apply to everybody? Is God really saying, I will meet every need? Does that include my emotional needs? Yes. Does that include my physical needs? Yes. Does that include my financial needs, my relational needs, my relationships, my companionship needs, my spiritual needs? Yes. God says, I guarantee that I will meet every one of your needs and that my generosity will always exceed yours. So why aren't all your needs met? With most every promise in the Bible, and there are over 7,000 promises in the Bible, there is always a premise generally to that promise. God says, if you do this, then I'll do this. If you do this, then I'll do that. And this is one of those promises. I cannot claim Philippians 4, verse 19, for myself, unless I do what he talks about in the preceding verses, verses 14 through 18. A lot of people get discouraged about the promises of God. They say, oh, God's word isn't true. It's not, you know, I I heard that, but it never happens. It never works. And a lot of times we don't read the verse within the context that says, God says, look, you do this and I'll guarantee this. So we have to understand what this is. And so this passage of Scripture in these verses, verses 14 to 18, lead up to this verse, and this verse says that God's generosity will exceed yours. I will never let you outgive me. And so if you go back over the last eight weeks that we've been together talking about Philippians, remember that the reason that Paul wrote this letter initially is he wrote the letter to the Philippian church, 
and it was a thank you letter for this huge, generous gift that the Philippian church had sent to him. Now, Paul is in prison at the writing of this letter. He's an old man. He's waiting execution uh, by Nero, and he started previously all of these churches all over the Roman Empire, and he begins to write them letters. So he wrote, for example, the church in Corinth while he's in prison, First and Second Corinthians. He writes them. He writes the church in Philippi that we've been learning about. He writes a church in Thessalonica, First and Second Thessalonians. He writes all of these letters, and then he says to people in Philippi, he says, you've been the most generous. You helped me time and time again. And he's saying, you know, I got a gift from you, and I just want to say thank you. And through the entire book of Philippians, he talks about happiness and true joy and generosity. Do you know any church that is known for generosity. Paul actually brags about this church in Philippi to all the other churches that he started. Some churches, some people are just way more generous than other people. And in his letter uh, to the Corinthians, he brags to the Corinthian church about the church in Philippi. Look in your, in your uh, program notes there, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. He said, I want you to know about the church in Philippi. I want you to know about their generosity even while suffering in severe trials and extreme poverty, their lives have overflowed with joy because of their amazing generosity. They were in extreme poverty, and while in the midst of their need, they overflowed with joy and generosity. These are amazing people. And then he continues, I personally witnessed their giving, not simply giving what they could afford like what, out of their means, but giving even beyond their human ability. They were flat broke. They had no cell phones, no Netflix. It was rough. No cable, no Starbucks. Can you imagine living without that? No Pete's, no private Christian schools to send your kids to, no house cleaner, no gardener, no nanny, no air conditioning. They were broke. They're in extreme poverty. These are amazing people. And he says this. He said, no one told them to do it. There was no pressure of any kind. He says, it was due to their own generous hearts. In fact, they begged and pleaded for the privilege of giving to serve God's people. And they gave in a way we did not expect. They first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us. That is what pleases God. The Philippian church was the most generous church on earth. No one has ever surpassed their level of generosity. I don't know what the amount was that they gave. The point is, is they gave out of extreme poverty. We have some really generous people here at Brave, very, very giving people. But I imagine that most people here give out of their means or out of their budget that they've allocated funds to. These people were amazing to me. They challenged me because they gave out of extreme poverty. And Paul ends this book with giving us one final habit that if you want to experience true joy and true happiness in your life, he talks about generosity. Now, when we talk about generosity, we're not just talking about money, so don't just zero in on that, but we're just talking about generosity in all areas of your life. And so in Philippians chapter 1, verse 19, he says, you've got to learn how to love. And then in Philippians 1, verse 10, he says, you've got to learn what matters most. And then chapter 3, verse 10, he says, you've got to learn how to know Christ even in his suffering. And then he says that you'll actually make you happy. Verse, chapter 3, verse 17, he says, 
You've got to learn to be mature, and the more mature you are, the happier you'll be. The more emotionally mature you are as a person, the happier you'll be. So last weekend, we looked at Philippians 4, verse 11, where he says, we want to learn how to be content, to not worry, to not be anxious, and that's a habit of joy that we develop in our life. If you learn to be content, well, then you're going to be happy. So then in these last few verses of this book, he says, learn to be generous because generosity is the last key to true joy. Happy people are giving people. They just are. So here's what I want to do today. I'm going to quickly take you through the book, kind of do a summary, and I want to give you a list of benefits here in your program notes of being a generous person and what generosity does for you. And for some of you, it's a refresher, a reminder. For others, it's like, yeah, you know what? I can't say that that's a habit of my life. I think a lot of us think we're generous. I think living out generosity is sometimes another thing. And so I'll explain this promise, this claim that God gives us, where he says, I'll meet every need in your life, and my generosity will exceed yours. Proverbs 11, verse 17 says, the kind and generous man benefits himself. So first of all, in in generosity, you actually benefit yourself. Most people go through life so desperately in need of focusing upon their selves, they never get it, that generosity and blessing actually comes from you being a generous person, whether that's out of extreme poverty, upper class, lower class, middle class, wherever your stratosphere is, the generous person actually benefits themselves. You get more out of life when you're a generous person. You reap more than what you've actually sowed. So whatever you give out of, you're gonna get back in kind, but you will always get back more than whatever you give out. It's just an an incredible principle in the universe and in God's word. And so this is true in every area of your life. In other words, if you give out praise, people are going to praise you back. If you're an encouraging person with your words, people are going to say encouraging, thoughtful things about you. If you're just kind of, I'm not going to give them any credit, or I'm not going to say anything good about them, or whatever, well, nobody's going to be saying anything good about you either, right? If you give out love to people, people are going to respond to love. If if you're a hugger, people are going to hug back, right? If you give out gossip, well, then people are going to gossip about you. If you give off anger, then people are going to get angry with you. If you're generous with other people, they're going to be more generous with you. So here's some insight. Whatever you need more of in your life, give it away. Whatever you need more of in your life, give it away. I don't know what that is. You may be uh, you, you may be thinking, I need more time. Well, then give more time away. Whatever it is, I need, I need encouragement. Then give encouragement away. Whatever you need in your life, whatever your need is, give more of that away. In other words, like, let's say that you have a need for more energy. It's been proven over and over again that if you're tired all the time and you're worn out, how do you get more energy? You get more energy by expending energy. You go work out. That's how you get more energy. I mean, for the first three months, you'll be dead tired and exhausted. Okay, you, know, you got to get past that hurdle, or so I'm told, right? Right? So I don't need more energy. I'm fine. Thank you, right? But no, if you want to increase your energy, you got to work out, and then you get more energy. There, think about that. That applies to everything. There's always a hurdle to giving, whether it's money, time, talents, treasure, whatever it is, that it feels like initially by giving we're losing. Isn't that true? 
And exercise is a good example of that. Eventually, you're like exhausted. Or well, actually, the first day you go and work out, you feel super strong. Like, oh, this is so great. I, like, I didn't even need to be here. Uh, it was so amazing, right? And then about the day three or four, it's like, I am so weak. Like, it's just bad, right? Okay, so whatever you need more of in life, it actually starts by, it's counterintuitive that you have to first give it away. And so by serving others, you're serving God unselfishly, and God says, I'll always give you back more than whatever you've given out. I will never let you be more generous than me. Whatever you need more of, give it away. If you need more money, give it away. If you need more energy, give it away, expend it. Here's what we can learn from the benefits of generosity in Philippians. Write this down, number one in your notes. Every time I'm generous... I received the gratitude of others. People appreciate and value people who are generous. I mean, people who are known for their generosity have a great reputation among us. People love people when they see them being a giving, generous person. And if you think about the people in your own life that you're the most grateful for, it's probably because they in some way invested into your life. They gave of themselves. They invested time or energy or money or patience or love or whatever it was. The people that you're the most grateful for in life are the people that have given you the most. If they've been stingy, you're not grateful for them. Let's just be honest, right? One, one of my favorite uncles is now in heaven, and so I'm going to talk about him because I'm assuming God will filter this somehow because he's in heaven. And I want to talk about him. He was a tightwad. And, uh, and one summer, grow, I, was, I grew up in Fresno. Now, Fresno is really, really hot. Fresno is like, it's, it's not hell, but you can see it from there, right? And, uh, and so it gets so hot, right? And so he takes me to a track meet. I'm about eight years old in the middle of the summer. Have you ever been to a track meet? Just say the word boring. I mean, it's just, it goes on and on and on. It's just, and so I'm eight years old. I'm sitting there on a hardwood, you know, splintered bleacher, and it's just, we're just baking. There is no shade. And this guy would not buy me a drink, wouldn't buy me a snack. We're like four or five hours sitting there. Now, I love my uncle, but to this day, he is stingy. You, you understand what I'm saying? Uh, one day, some of our friends uh, told Tracy, Samuel, Isaac, I, they said, hey, listen, we want you to be out in front of your house at a certain time of the day and be out there, just be ready to go. So we go outside, and a limo, a black limo, pulls up in front of our house. We were living in Lincoln, north of Sacramento, pulls up. They say, okay, get into the limo. We get into the limo. They said, we're going to, a, we're going to take you to a Niner-Packer game. We drove in a black limo all the way from Lincoln, north of Sacramento, all the way to San Francisco. They had a huge basket of food and drinks and everything, and it was an amazing game that we got to see. And then we rode all the way back through the limo, and we went through McDonald's drive through because In-N-Out didn't exist, I don't think, back then. And, but we have never forgot their generosity. It was over the top. God says that he loves to lavish his kids. I don't know where Christians get this, where they're trying to be all thrifty with each other. God says, lavish, love, lavish. When you believe that there's an endless supply, you're going to be way more generous, right? And so, I, man, we will never forget them. One day on a Saturday, we get a knock on our door. It's about 10 a.m., and there's the city manager, his wife, his kids standing there, and they said, we've come to, we're going to clean your windows of your entire house inside and out. Who does that? 
Who does? It's not, and I don't want you to get the wrong idea. It's not like they were that dirty. I'm just, it was just, it was just a very generous act, right? I mean, it was just so, it was like, wow, what, what generous people. They had began to follow Jesus about a year earlier, and God put that on their heart, and they just went and did it. People who are grateful, when people are grateful, when, uh, they're, they're grateful to people who are generous to them. Winston Churchill said, you make a living by what you make. You make a life by what you give. We're way too much focused on the end of what we're making rather than the life that we're giving. And the most giving people are the most appreciated people. In Philippians chapter four, he says, how grateful I am and how I praise the Lord that you're helping me again. It was so good that you helped me when I needed it. You Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I brought you the good news. He taught them the gospel. He taught them the word of God. No other church did this. You sent me aid again and again when I was in need, so I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me. Now look at Philippians chapter one. He says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to God. Every time we think of that family that took us in that limo to the Niner Packer game, we give thanks to God, right? I don't even remember who won. Who cares? You know what I mean? It was just so much fun. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to God because you've been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ. It is right that I should feel as I do about you, all of you, for you have a very special place in my heart. We have shared together the blessings of God. Now, the question to ask is, is there anybody who's grateful for you? Is there, is, there, is there anybody that has a great story about you, that you showed up at somebody's house and said, hey, we're going to clean your windows inside and out? Does anybody have a great story about you? Can you think of like five people that could tell a great story of how you lavished on them? Can you think of 10 people? Can you think of 20 people that have stories about your generosity? Do others say about you, you are so giving. You're so generous. You're so selfless with your time and your resources and so sacrificial. Is there someone that feels gratitude about you that believes that you're living a life of generosity and self unselfishness and compassion? Is there someone in your life that you think of right now like, wow, you know what? I have a story about somebody that was so gen- right when I needed it, whatever it was, they were there for me. Write them a note. Text them, call them, express your gratefulness. When you are generous, you earn the gratitude of other people. Every time I'm generous, number two in your notes, I understand, I understand what matters most every time I'm generous. Is it people or is it things? Life is not about acquisition. When you're generous with your time or your money or, or your energy, you're showing what really matters most. If you were to create like a, a colored pie chart, and it showed exactly where your money goes and the majority of your money goes. It shows you what you value. If you created another pie chart, a colored chart, and it shows where you serve your time, where you volunteer your time, it will show what you value. Whatever you spend your money on or your time on, that's what matters most to you. Jesus said it like this, wherever your money is, your heart is going to be there. If I invested money in Apple stock, 
I would be watching that Apple stock at least every day or every other day because I've invested my money. I care about what happens there. Where I invest my time and my money, I spend my life. Wherever I'm generous shows that's what really matters to me. And so Paul talks about this issue through the whole book that we've looked at in the last eight weeks, and then we come to Philippians 1, verse 10. He says this, I want you to understand what really matters. Jesus said one time, he said, a man's life does not consist of the abundance of the things he possesses. That life is not about things. Life, it's about learning how to love. The purpose of life is not collecting things. What matters most is love. And then in Philippians 3, verse 7, he says, all the things I once thought were so important, I now consider worthless because of Christ. Generosity, it breaks the grip of materialism in your life. Generosity is about your trust and your value and where you put it. Who do you trust and then what do you value? Materialism is the idea that having more will make me more happy, more secure, more valuable. One time I got into, you remember Nestle's Quick Milk? And then, and I got into that. I was a young kid and we were driving on this long trip and I just like, it was, I drank an ice cold glass of that. It was so good. Nestle's Quick Cold Milk. I drank it. It was so good. It was so good. I thought more would be better. So I drank another one. Oh, this is so good. I thought more would be better. So I drank another one. I thought more of this would be even better. And I drank more and more. I must have drank like two gallons of this. And by the time we got to Portland, I emptied two gallons of it on the side of the road. More is not always better. More, there's a point where it's just gluttony and there's no benefit to it. Isn't that true? There's only one way to break the cycle of materialism, and that's through giving it away. There's way more joy in giving away. Every time I'm generous, I take something that I've got, and I give it away, and I give it to God, or I give it to another person in need. I break the grip of materialism in my own life. Now, materialism has nothing to do with, with how much money you have. It has nothing to do with your, whatever your financial status is. Materialism uh, is found in adverse poverty. There are people who are gripped with poverty and they're gripped with materialism. Materialism, I know some of the most generous people that I know are the wealthiest people I know. There, there's no correlation between how much money you have and, and, and materialism. Materialism affects everybody in all places of your own financial ability. I break the grip of materialism and selfishness in my life when I give it away. Instead of worshiping my stuff, I worship with my stuff. Philippians 3, verse 20, Paul says, we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. He's saying, I'm not living for here and now. I'm living with eternity in mind. I'm giving my life away with eternity in mind. Every time I'm generous, number three, write this down, I become more like Jesus. I become more like Jesus because Jesus is the most generous person that ever lived. He gave everything. He gave his life. He gave it all. Jesus is a giver. Giving is the essence of the character of God. For some of you, the most spiritual thing you will do next is to give in some way, somewhere. Because you're not, that's not a character quality that really is uh, apparent in your life. You're not a giver. You're just mad I'm talking about it. 
That's a good sign that you're probably not a giver. All the generous people here are going, yeah, amen, way to go. All the tightwads, like my uncle, right now, he's just cringing, right? It's like when you talk about generosity to ungenerous people, like, why is he doing that? Oh, man, what a Sunday I picked. Like, oh, rah, 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 rah. That's right, all right? Giving is the essence of God's character. So you can't become more like God and be a less giving person. There's no way you can do that. You can't say, I'm like, God's over here. I'm so close to God. And you're a, a, you know, selfish, ungiving, ungenerous person. You're not close to God. You're somewhere like way out of this building. You you follow what I'm saying? So if you're going to get closer to God in character, you have to be a generous, giving person. And for some of us, that's more natural than others. Every good gift in life comes from God. If God once wasn't generous, I'd have nothing. The air we breathe, the sunshine this morning that we woke up to, the, our hearts are beating right now because of a generous, life-giving God. He created you. And the word says in Jeremiah 1, verse 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I knew you before you were formed. You were my decision. You were my choice. I chose you. I created you in the womb for something great. James 1, verse 17, whatever's good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father. Wait a minute. I iron this stuff. I mean, I work hard. I built this company from the ground up, or I invented this technology, or I'm so smart with marketing or managing, and I've created this wealth. No, you didn't. Psalm 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's. He owns it all, and everything in it The world and all the people belong to him. The ability, in fact, in Genesis, it says the ability to gain wealth is a gift from God. If you have the ability to gain wealth, to create wealth, that's a gift that God's given you. Where do you think we got the ability to earn wealth? From God. Where did you get your brain from? from God. Every good thing in your life, all the smarts, the intuitiveness, the abilities that you have, gifts from God. The Bible says this. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Every time you're generous, a change takes place in your heart. You let go of something. Every time you give your heart, it kind of moves the dash on the dial towards God's heart. You become more like Jesus. If you give a cup of cold water in Jesus' name, it counts, it matters. And then the word of God says in Philippians 1 verse 11, your lives will be filled with the truly good qualities which only Jesus Christ can produce for the glory and the praise of God. What we're talking about is extremely brave, and counterculture, because everything in our culture says get. We live in the wealthiest area in the nation, the Bay Area, and we live in the least giving. Greed, materialism, I just want more, I want more, I want more. Would you agree that we are living in an increasingly self-centered culture? So it's brave to follow Jesus. It's brave to be giving and generous in a self-serving culture. 
Philippians 2, verse 4, don't just look out for your own interests, but look also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Every time I'm generous, number four in your notes, I grow my faith. Because when I take something that I have or I own and I give it away, I'm going to have to depend on God to help me. If I give something truly of value that I already own or have and I give it away, I'm going to have to depend on God more. If I have needs and I give what I have away to meet your needs, I'll have to trust God in faith that God will return or help or minister to me. So if I'm going to be a giver, it requires faith to believe and trust God. Giving is rarely convenient. Every time, I don't know about you and I, Tracy, it's like something comes up, a really important need that we want to give to, and it's like, man, it's always the wrong time. You know, the washer machine breaks, the refrigerator breaks, or the car breaks, or whatever. It's like it's never convenient. If I only have a certain amount of time to get stuff done, and I stop to help you get your stuff done, I'm going to need to trust God that somehow he's going to make up the time. It's very unselfish to give away your time. All of you think you're the busiest person in the room, and I'm the only one working here right now. (laughs) Right? Every time I give, every time I give, my faith grows. Philippians 4, verse 6, it says, do not worry about anything. Instead, pray and ask God for everything you need, always giving thanks. Every time I'm generous, number five, write this down, I invest in my future. I'm investing in my future. The Bible says, when I give my time away, I'll get time back. When I give my money away, when I give my energy away, whatever I invest in, that investment's gonna come back in eternity. You're gonna spend eternity somewhere. Jesus says, store up your treasure in heaven. Do you wanna know how many times Jesus said, store up your treasure in heaven? He didn't say it twice. He didn't say it three times. He didn't say it four times. He didn't say it five times. Jesus said it six times. Jesus said six times, store up your treasure in heaven. Anytime Jesus says something six times, I really want to pay attention to that. Life is not about storing up things just into my savings account, but I'm storing up things into ministry and life that really, really matter. Banking on what matters most in heaven. Using my resources and my time and my money and my talents, it just makes perfect sense because you're gonna spend a whole lot more time in heaven. You're gonna live here around 80 to 100 years, some, some won't, some will. That's not very long. There are only two things that are gonna last forever. The word of God and people. Money, time, and resources invested in reaching and loving and caring for people, that's a real solid investment you can't go wrong on. Opinions change, facts change, theories. In fact, what you believe in 20 years will probably change. The truth does not change. If it's true, it'll always be true. Truth and people last forever. So invest more things that are gonna last forever. Paul says, In Philippians 4, verse 17, though I appreciate your gifts, what makes me happiest is the well-earned reward you will receive because of your generosity. The New American Bible says it this way, I want you to have the profit that accrues to your account. That word in the Greek, the profit that 
that occurs is an interest-bearing account. Like you may have an IRA that's hopefully creating interest, but how's your ERA? You have an IRA, how's your ERA? Eternal Retirement Account. (laughs) Jesus said six times, store up treasure in heaven. The contemporary English version says, I want you to receive the blessings that come from giving. Did you know about this verse? Uh, Look at this verse. I love this verse. This is an amazing verse in the Bible. Do you ever just find amazing verses in the Bible? Proverbs 19, verse 17. If you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord and he will repay you. You can never give to the poor and not be blessed in return. It's impossible. God says, if you help the poor, you are lending to the poor and he will repay you. 1 Timothy 6, 18, give happily to those in need and always be ready to share whatever God has given you. By doing this, you will be storing up real treasure for yourselves in heaven. It's the only safe investment for eternity. The Bible says very clearly, you should never never give out of guilt. By the way, this talk is not going somewhere. There's not gonna be like some high-pressure sales. I'm not gonna try to share, you know, sell a timeshare condo at the end of this talk. So if you're new here or whatever, you, you don't like churches or giving, just relax, okay? The Bible's very clear. Don't ever give out of guilt. Don't ever give out of pressure. The Bible says be a cheerful giver. If, you know, if you give something begrudgingly, you know, if I, if I go home to Tracy and I give her a dozen roses and while I'm giving it to her, I go, oh, this costs $120. <laughs> oh, here you go. Okay, I did it. Okay, I did it. You know, that's just not gonna have the impact. It might when she hits me over the head with the vase, right? So the idea of like, oh, I'm, I'm giving to my church. You're, you're giving through your church to God. You give through brave to God, right? We could screw everything up here and you give through brave to God, you're giving to God. That's the principle. It's a cheerful giving heart. So you never give out of any kind of pressure or feeling guilty. God says, give happily to those in need and you will always be ready to share whatever God has given you. So every time I'm generous, I receive the gratitude of others. That's so cool. I understand what matters most. I become more like Jesus. I, my faith grows. I invest in my future. And lastly, number six, I make God smile. I make God smile. You make God happy when you give. Philippians 4, verse 18. Your gifts are like a fragrant offering to God, a sacrifice that God accepts and is pleasing to him. Generosity is pleasing to God. It makes him smile. He goes, that's my girl or that's my boy. If you have kids and you see your kids and they're sharing or giving their toys or preferring somebody else, man, doesn't it just grow your heart six times bigger? Of course, because you're, you, you love the generosity that you see in your own kids. God loves it when he sees your generosity. God knows exactly what you give. I don't know what you give. I don't know what you do or don't do, but God knows, and God smiles when he sees generosity. That's my boy. That's my girl. I'm so proud of you because God is the most generous person in the world. And so God is watching us every day. Not watch, like, I'm watching you with an evil eye and I'm gonna condemn you. God is watching to bless. He's actually looking for a reason and ability to bless you. God says, you do this and I'll bless you. Remember, we started out with one of the greatest promises in the Bible this morning. Paul is now ending the book of Philippians as we are today with this great promise. God says, when you give out of gratitude, 
when you give out of wanting to become more like Jesus, when you give because you wanna grow in your faith, when you give because you wanna invest in your future into heaven, when you give because you really understand what matters most, when you give to please God, then God says this, here's the promise. God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. The generous person never, ever, ever goes without. God says you will never, ever go without if you're generous. God says this is how it works. You give to others. You give to me. And I'll respond by outgiving you. Here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to pray about being generous in some way. I don't know how that will be for you. But I want you to take that thing in you that just says, no, I don't want to do it. Oh, I don't want to give to them. Or, oh, I don't want to help them again. Or whatever it is. I want you to take that thing and just face it head on and say, I'm going to overcome this thing. And I'm just going to be lavishly, ridiculously generous. Amen? Okay, good. All right, we'll see you next week. Okay. <laughs>